Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. If you're taking notes this morning, we're going we're gonna to spend a few minutes here. We're actually going to talk about an Emmanuel lifestyle, an Emmanuel lifestyle. So if you're taking notes, write that down. So good to see everybody here today. L- listen, let me maybe say this before we, before we dive in. You know, earlier we were talking about that canvas that, that God's wanting to paint on. And I just want you to know that the first place that God wants to start with that is in what we talk about, the Emmanuel lifestyle. I know a lot of people are going, what in the world does that mean? Give me a second, and, and hopefully we'll explain it well enough you can grab a hold of it. But let me say this real quick before we dive in. I personally think that in the day and the time we live in, it is easy due to the busyness of our lives. In other words, that we're surrounded by so much clutter, so much distraction, so much noise, that's easy to slip into this state or condition of spiritual unconsciousness. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's almost like where we sleepwalk through life and uh, we sleepwalk through these moments and we're completely unaware, completely out of tune of what God is doing around us. Now, obviously, there's times like that where we, you know, where we resurface or we wake up. You, you know, in other words, it's like, you know, we'll, we'll come to church or we'll go to a small group or we'll go to a prayer meeting. We gather with other believers and maybe we have a devotion. But it's almost like we, we go, you know, we're consciously aware of God and then we unconsciously slip right back into being unconscious of him and what he's doing in us and what he's doing around us or desiring to do. Then we slip back into the good part, slip out of it, go back to the bad part. Am I making sense? Listen, I don't think there's any person in this room that hasn't been there, right? All of us. And it's almost like, maybe let me say it this way. It's like you're going through your day and it's like, oh yeah, God, right? And, And maybe let me say it this way. For a lot of people, it's like they live in this unconscious awareness like they they this state they don't even god where are you at and then it's like a, a they need a crisis to get them to focus back on god that's not the way the kingdom is supposed to work right. right amen so so listen let me just maybe say this i i want to propose to you this morning that a simple antidote for that kind of condition is simply this living the emmanuel lifestyle somebody say emmanuel lifestyle Amen. So, Jesus, we just ask that you would come and have your way. Open our hearts. Teach us today. Holy Spirit, we absolutely give you room today to speak to us. And we just ask that you would somehow take these words that I got and you would speak with such clarity, God, that it would come alive, that it would explode in people's hearts. Lord, I'm asking you today that this wouldn't be just information, but, God, it would be revelation that would change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, for foundation's sake, if we hit the rewind button and went back a few thousand years and we landed in the time of the Old Testament, we would find that God's people lived in what is known as a visitation culture. That they lived in a visitation culture, meaning that this, that throughout the Old Testament, again and again, men and women of God would have these incredible encounters, these incredible visitations from God. And, you know, just for context's sake, a few examples of that would be Gideon encountering the angel of the Lord in the wine press. You know, we got Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord. We got Joshua who fell on his face, you know, before the commander of the Lord's army. 
And uh, maybe to kind of get a full picture here, in, in the theological world, we call that two things. We either call it a theophany or we call it a Christophany. And simply, theo means obviously God, Christo obviously means Christ, but the last part means to appear. So when Jacob wrestled the angel of the Lord, he didn't wrestle an angel, he wrestled Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ. When uh, Joshua fell down at the feet of the commander of the Lord, that's Jesus. When Gideon obviously was sitting there in the wine press, it wasn't an angel, it was Jesus. And there's plenty of stuff to back that up that we don't have time for, but what I want you to see is simply this, that God or Christ simply appeared, Okay. Now, on top of these encounters, we also see many examples where the Holy Spirit would come uh, upon a man or woman of God with some special grace or some special anointing that would empower them to accomplish a specific task. But here's what happened. After that specific task was done, after it was accomplished, guess what? Basically, that anointing would leave as fast as it came. Are you with me? So here's the simple point I want to make is that even though those visitations, even though those encounters, those anointings, however you want to word it, were incredible, I, I say this with all reverence, they were still limited. And because they were temporary, they were short-lived, but once again, it's because they lived in a visitation culture. Somebody say visitation culture. Now, watch this. Even though those guys lived in a visitation culture, something began to shift. Something began to change. Something began to stir in their hearts, basically for this hope, this hope that there was something more. And it began to happen basically this way, because their prophets, like Isaiah, began to prophesy about a coming Messiah. Watch this. It says this in Isaiah 7. He said this, says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him what? Come on, say it like you mean it. Call him what? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Now watch this. We know that fast forward 700 years, their hope finally became a reality. And we're going to read this. And it's kind of lengthy. But Matthew 1, 18, watch this. It says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. Turn to your neighbor and say this. Can you believe that we're reading this? And it's not even Christmas. All right. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. We still believe in the virgin birth, right? Verse 19 says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. What a good fellow. Verse 20 says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, now we know this is Gabriel talking to him, says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Watch this, verse 22. All of this occurred, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Who was this prophet? Isaiah. And then it says, verse 23, it quotes Isaiah 7, 14, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him who? Which means God is with us. That's some good news, y'all, that God is with us. So watch this. So this amazing prophecy comes to pass. God was no longer what, we, what would appear to be here one day and gone the next. Basically that here he is. He's, now, he's clothed himself in human flesh. And just as John chapter 1 says, he came into the very world he created and, and lived. And guess what? That he made his home among us. Pretty awesome, right? Yes? 
Listen, uh, if you can watch this or maybe see this, that, that God's people went from these visitations to now Jesus shows up on the scene. Now they can see him, they can hear him, they can touch him, they can fellowship with the very one that stood before their fathers and mothers in the faith. Pretty awesome. But watch this. I know it's just groundwork here, but 33 and a half years later, guess what? Everything shifted again. Jesus, we know that he was the perfect, sinless son of God. What happened? He took our place and our punishment by paying the ultimate price for our sins by dying on the cross. Anybody thankful for that? Listen, we know he was buried. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And shortly after, guess what? The 500 people stood around the beach and they watched him ascend into heaven. Now, at first glance, it would look like that now God's people were going to have to revert back. That it was almost like God dangled a carrot and teased them for 33 and a half years, and now they were going to have to revert back to this visitation culture. But here's the good news, and please hear me today. It's so simple, but please hear me. I feel like somebody needs to hear this. God never causes his people to take one step forward and two steps back. Okay? We know this because before Jesus died for our sins, he gave us three promises, and these are so simple, and they're all found in John 14, but he simply said this, number one, He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Thank God for that. This isn't our final resting place. Number two, he said, I'll come again and get you. Even better. Number three, here's what I will see. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. Now, how did he fulfill that third promise? I know I'm giving you a lot of Bible today. It's good. Write it down. Let's get it in our hearts. John 14 says this, verse 16, 17. Jesus talking. He said, well, I will ask the Father. It says that he will give you another helper. Your translation may say comforter. Let me, let me kind of maybe stop right there and just say what it means. If you, if you read what it actually means in the Bible, in the, in the Greek language, it actually means he says, I'm going to basically ask the Father to send one to you who is not me but is like me, meaning that he will do everything that I would do if I was presently with you. Pretty cool, huh? I say that because there's so many people sit back in church and they go, man, brother, if, uh, if Jesus was here, he'd do this. I want you to know the Holy Spirit's here and he's doing the same thing. So here's the awesome part, though. Everybody watch this, please. I, how many times have we sat in church and said, man, if I could have lived in the days of Jesus. I want you to know that those people were at a disadvantage. And the reason is because Jesus was in one location. Now, guess what? He's omnipresent, right? He's everywhere, right? So, so there's no limitations for where he's at. That's a great place to say amen. amen. So he said this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you. Can I, can I add this? That he will Emmanuel forever. Verse 17, that is the spirit of truth. We know it's the Holy Spirit whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him nor know him. But you know him because he abides or dwells with you and even greater he will be in you. So I want to make one note here, okay? Because of this promise and because we live post-resurrection and because we have been born again, guess what? We no longer live, and this is simple, easy stuff, but I'm not so sure if we live it. Okay, but but we no longer live in a visitation culture, but we live in a habitation culture. And, and this is where we understand that God no longer comes on us because he now lives in us, which means this. Guess what? That, that the anointing no longer comes upon us because guess what? Now it's coming out of us to, to understand that. Guess what? The, the reason it comes out of us is because the anointed one dwells within us. 
So, so there is no, you know, for years I said this, God anoint me, God anoint me, God anoint me. And I finally realized, hello, dummy, hello, McFly, right? That guess what? All you have to do is open up your spirit and let him flow. Right? Quit begging and quit pleading. He's already there. Amen? And, and guess what? That, that I understand this. I want you to get this today. That because he's in us, the very kingdom of God is inside of us. And because the kingdom of God is inside of us, guess what? It is our privilege to enjoy the kingdom. It is our privilege to give away the kingdom. Amen? All right, so what, all, what does all this mean for us? Because all of this is true, it means that we now have the possibility to live out the amazing reality of what is known as the Emmanuel lifestyle, the Emmanuel God with us lifestyle. Let me put some, a little bit more meat to this. We'll throw this up. An Emmanuel lifestyle is this. An Emmanuel lifestyle is living with a conscious awareness. I would like to add the word constant there. Conscious awareness that God is always with us and that he wants to be involved in every part of our lives. It's that simple. Are, are y'all with me? You know, listen, I know this sounds so Barney, right, in Barney terms. Um, man, but, I, I, you know, listen, as a guy that has been walking with Jesus a little over 20 years now and been in church world, you know, ever since then, I'm amazed by how much Barney stuff we don't live. In other words, that we, we know it, but, but all hell breaks loose and we act like we've never even heard it before. Am I making sense? So, so it's kind of like this. The, the Emmanuel lifestyle, once again, just kind of adding here. The Emmanuel lifestyle is centered around the living revelation that the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is not only with us, but he desires to be actively involved in every detail of our lives. For no other reason than what? He loves us. That's good news. Right? That God loves me. It, it's my opinion that if we grab a hold of this, that it would be absolutely impossible for us to just uh, sleep through life. Yeah? And, and I think it's equally impossible for us not to begin to intentionally look for this simple thing. God, what are you doing? Right? Where are you? What are you doing? Uh, and maybe see this. Maybe even say it another way. That, that it's impossible to look at a situation and not see God's intentional purpose in everything in our lives. Right? You know, maybe let me, let me say this. And, you know, um, Brian and Leah's friend came, uh, David Stapp, he came and he, and he said this. And this is so good. But if, when, you, when you understand the Emmanuel lifestyle, you understand that there's no such thing as secular separated from sacred. You know, he, he did this. He came and, he, and he, man, it was, I'm a visual guy, so it helped me. But he drew this circle and he wrote secular. And he put basically our jobs, our blah, 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 whatever. He gave a list of things that we would consider secular, not God. And then he drew a bigger circle, and he said sacred. And then he put basically attending church, prayer, uh, reading our Bible, uh, tithing, uh, you know, things that we would consider spiritual, right? And, and he said basically that sometimes we, you know, when we get saved, what happens is, is we take those two circles, and they, and they overlap a little bit. And then we think, well, well, in that little overlapping spot, I can, I can maybe witness a little bit while I'm at work. Or, or maybe I can play Christian music right, as I sit in my cubicle or whatever, right? But there's still this separate thing. But see, when you understand the manual lifestyle, you'd understand that basically because God is always with us, that that sacred circle now encompasses what was once secular, and the secular dissolves, and everything is sacred. Am I making sense? So this mentality that says, you, you know what, basically that when I walk out those doors today, I'm going to flip a switch, and I'm going to go into secular world. No. 
No. You, you know, it's not like Jesus fell off of you when you go through the door. But, but see, you know, look, let me give some reality to this. Let me give you where, where let me get you where it hurts. Is how many of us walk out those doors and we act completely different than when we walk in these doors? That tells you that you have that mindset. If, if my language changes when I came through, come through that door, I live in that sacred secular. Right? If the way I treat people changes when I walk through that door, it's two different things. Are y'all hearing me today? So true. All right, let's shift gears here. Let's, uh, let's put some skin on this. Let's get practical. Um, let me give you three areas that I think that this, that this revelation, what it kind of all encompasses here, okay, the manual lifestyle. And we kind of already said some of this, but we'll say it again. Here we go. Number one, when we live in a manual lifestyle, we are constantly aware that, number one, God is with us. You already said that. I know. I'm repeating myself on purpose. Repetition is the best teacher. You know, in the preaching world, they say, and I hate it, but they say when you get tired of saying it, they're just starting to get it. So number one, God is with us. Let me give you two verses. Joshua 1.9, this is God talking to Joshua. He says this, this is my command, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Watch this, Psalm 16.8. I love this verse. It's repeated again in Acts 2.25, but this is David talking. He said this. He said, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. I love that. He is right beside me. Now, what's interesting about this is when you look at this verse in the original language, that it, it doesn't mean that, that, that David lived. Everybody look here. That it doesn't mean that David lived with this constant woo visitation. Once again, he lived in a, in a visitation culture, right? So, but what it actually means in that language is that, that, this, that David actually chose to see God standing right beside him. I'm trying to tell you to do something there. That he chose to see God beside him literally everywhere he went. It's a conscious decision. So let me give you a few thoughts here. When we know that God is with us, we know this, that no matter what we face in life, somebody hear this, that no matter what we face in life, we are never alone. You, you know, there's that thing, right, that says this, I may, I may feel lonely, but I'm never alone. Why? Because the Bible says that God will never leave me nor forsake me. God is with me. Right? He didn't leave me because it got too tough for him. <laughs> we think that mess. Ooh, God, where'd you go? God didn't say, oh my God, I don't know what to do with that. I'm leaving. <laughs> right? Listen, when we know God is with us, we also know that, guess what? He brought all of heaven resources with him when he came. You get that? That when he came, he brought all of heaven's resources. And guess what? He said, hey, they're available to you. If you need a Bible verse, Romans 8.32 says, For if he did not spare his own son, how much more will he not also freely give us all things? So guess what? Because I have heaven's resources, because they're available, then that means I never have to live in lack. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, that was good. Listen, when you know that God is with you, guess what? You can be confident that wherever you go and whatever you do, guess what? All of heaven is backing you up. And guess what? He's anointing Anointing you, basically, once again, to fulfill his plan for your life. And lastly, this, and I kind of already said this, but when you know that God is with you, everything that we do, apart from sin, is a sacred act of worship. You can jot down Romans 12, 1 right there if you want to. 
Romans 12, 1. And notice once again, it's a sacrifice. Basically, that thing has been resurrected, and now it's worship. Let me give you another thought here. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, he's talking to you on this one. Listen, when we live the Emmanuel lifestyle and that we know that God is with us, we are constantly aware. Hear me, New Englanders. We're constantly aware that we're not smarter than God. Yes, we're not smart. Sometimes that independent spirit, man, it thinks it's smarter than God. Some, turn to your neighbor and say, no, you're not. <laughs> tell him, stop acting like it. Some of y'all been wanting to tell your husband that for years. Anyways, all right. <laughs> Listen, when you realize that God is smarter than you, you choose to lean into him and to get his wisdom so he can direct your paths. You know, once again, we say it all the time, and I keep repeating it on purpose. When we do it God's way, we get God's results. If we do it our way, we get our results. And God's results are always better than our results. Amen? All right. So, listen, before we shift gears, I want to hit the slow-mo button right here. I was, as I was studying, I ran across this verse, and I was like, oh, my goodness. I, have, I just felt like I need to share it. So, this is for somebody either in this room or somebody's going to listen to the podcast. But it's for somebody. Okay? I want you to see this verse, Isaiah 43, 1-3. This is God talking. He says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. In other words, I've saved you. I have called you by name. He knows you. You are mine. It says, verse 2, When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So let let me kind of throw something in this. The key word in that scripture right there was this, the word through. So my encouragement to you today, if you're in this room or you're listening, is this, is guess what, that you're going to go through it. That that thing, guess what, will not destroy you and it will not define you. If you grab a hold of Jesus, you will go through it. Amen? Amen. Let me give you another verse. We read it earlier. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. I simply want to read the last parts. Don't worry about the first part. He said this. He said, I will make, y'all follow me? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers and dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. So I'm telling you, whatever you're going through, that path is there. Just find him. Seek him, yes, and you'll find it. Number two. When we live in a manual lifestyle, we are consciously aware that God is for us. That God is for us. I told you this is simple. That God is for us. Psalms 118.7 says this. Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me, and I will look and triumph at those who hate me. So good. Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me, and I will look and triumph at those who hate me. I have to tell you this. When another Christian and you are butting heads, and you're, and you're in conflict. I know you guys don't think that ever happens. But, but can, I, can I say this? If you're the kind of person that walks in that situation and thinks that God's for you and the other person's wrong and you're right, you're missing it. Because that lacks humility. Yes? And, and watch this. And, and if, listen, there's equally the same amount of people in this room that walk in the situation, they automatically think God is against you, so you must be wrong. Okay? So to understand this, if, if, if Stretch and I, I'm trying to wake him up here, Stretch and I are in a, uh, in a relational conflict as a believer and as a believer, 
Um, the thing that would have wisdom in it would be if we approach it and go, you know what? Once again, I've said this before, but the Holy Spirit inside of me and the Holy Spirit inside of him will never disagree. So it's better if I approach it in humility and he approaches in humility and we just try to figure this thing out together. And if I need to repent, I'll repent. If he needs to repent, he'll repent. But, the, but the, the, the greater purpose is this, is that we come out of it loving each other more than when we went in it. Amen? Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? I love that verse. One of the first Bible verses I ever memorized. If God is for us, who can be against us? So watch this. When we know God is for us, then we know he's not against us. And what I mean by that is this, is that there's people that think God just really doesn't like them. That they come and they go, God, here's my reasons you can't like me. Here's what I've done. And you got to remember, all those reasons got thrown in the sea of forgetfulness. He don't even remember them. Blows my mind that a God who knows everything chooses to forget. Right? And so the thing is, is that because when we think God is against us or God is always mad at us, and then guess what? We live in this position of, of almost like uh, just an ungodly fear. Right? We think that something bad's going to happen to me. Right? So, but we know God's for us. We know, once again, he's not against us. But once again, he's cheering us on. He's rooting for us. He's, he's, yeah, he's on our side. Amen? So, listen, staying there in Romans 8, when we know God is for us, then we know that he's causing all things to work together for our good. So good. That, listen, we know that we're more than conquerors, and whatever comes our way, we know that, guess what, that nothing can separate us from his love. And all that kind of adds to this is that in this life, we don't have to fear the enemy or our future. Amen? So let me maybe even say this. I've met so many Christians that said this. Well, my grandpa died of cancer. This person died of cancer. This person, so, you know, I'm just going to die of cancer. And they live in fear. How about grabbing hold of the covenant? Amen? And know that, guess what? When he, when he saved you, he took you out of that family, including all that mess, and put you in another family. It's called his family, right? Where the resource heaven flow. And the last thing there is this, is that God is for our God is for our growth and development. Now, I want to um, sit on this for a second. I want you to think about something. I'm going to take a hard right turn here, but this is what I feel like I really need to say in the spot. Go to James, please. Listen to this. We're talking about growth and development. James said this. He said, my fellow believers, that's us, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties. Anybody ever been there? Watch this. See it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. I don't know about you, but I have hated that verse for years. <laughs> Is that okay to say that the pastor hates a Bible verse? I don't like that Bible verse, right? Anybody with me? Yes, okay. It's like, what are you, you, you know, listen, I don't know if you, if y'all remember, y'all watch it up here, but listen, I'll show, say, what you talking about, Willis? Right? It's almost like what you want to tell the Lord, right? So anyway, it says this in verse 3. It says, For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection. That word's actually maturity into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. In other words, you grow up. So here's what I want to say to you, just kind of based off that verse, is that whatever we might be going through, big or small, Whatever season we find ourselves in, good or bad, maybe we're not there by accident. 
right? That maybe even this, if I can propose to you, that it just might be, don't miss it. If you don't hear anything today, grab a hold of this. That it might be that God is wanting to reveal to you a part of his nature that he couldn't reveal otherwise. Do you get that? That he can, that listen, I'll say it again. That it just might be because God is wanting to reveal to you a part of his nature that he couldn't reveal otherwise. That, that is why we can find joy in the difficulties of life. Yeah? I'm going through hell. How am I supposed to find joy? Because maybe God's up to something. Just maybe, right? And, you know, to think about this for a second, what if in the middle of all that difficulties, and even in the good spots in life, what, what, if, we, what if we didn't forget about him in the good moments, and we still stopped in that moment and paused in our heart, leaned into God and said, God, is there any part of your nature that you're wanting to reveal to me at this moment? Or maybe we ask this, that God, who do you want to be for me in this season, in this situation in my life? Am I making sense to you all? So, listen, maybe another reason is this. Watch this. That when we see difficulties, once again, it's an opportunity to experience great joy, right? Maybe it's because of this. Maybe it's because God has given us an opportunity to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. We're almost done. Y'all hang in there, right? Listen, if we like it or not, fruit needs the right climate, the right atmosphere, the right conditions to grow. Okay? And I'm here to tell you that God is maybe wanting to grow the fruit of the Spirit through your difficulties. So, listen, so often in church, watch this, that we, um, we hit a tough spot as believers, and we automatically beg and plead with God to get us out of it. Right? And I wish I could remember the quote now, but it's almost like this. Have you ever thought about that? God, um, what He could easily prevent in His power that he basically allows you to go through it in his wisdom. Am I saying that clear enough? Because, because God always has power to rescue us from anything. But, but what if we're going through it because his, in his wisdom he's saying, I want to show you a part of who I am. Yeah. Do, do you understand that, that, that God had to get Moses in the cleft of the rock before he could go, hey, let's let my glory pass before you. Right? Yeah? He had to get Elijah in a tough spot before he could learn to still small voice. Am I making sense? So when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, let me just ask you this. How can we grow in love if everyone was easy to love? Can you believe it? God wants me to love difficult people. Yes. <laughs> Listen, how could we ever grow in joy if we never found ourselves in a position where we had to choose joy? Do you realize that? There's so much in life, is, so many things in life in the kingdom are just a choice. That meant that I'm in a tough situation and I can choose to mope, gripe, and complain or I can choose joy and thankfulness and gratefulness. Amen? So listen, how can we grow in peace if we've never been in a storm? How can we grow in patience if we get everything we want when we want it? Right? How can we grow in kindness if everyone deserves a kind word? How can we grow in goodness, guess what, if we've never had the opportunity to respond with evil? How can we grow in faithfulness if everything was easy and convenient? How can we grow in gentleness if we've never had the opportunity to grow hard and bitter? Are you all hearing me? How can we grow in self-control if we've never had to practice self-contraint, self-discipline? All that's true, is it not? Listen, here's the point. Is, is this that when we understand the Emmanuel lifestyle, we understand that it brings a purpose to every season, 
every difficulty, every trial, every challenging relationship, and even every time we're pushed out of our comfort zone. God help us. Right? But each of those are an invitation for two things, to know him more and to become more like him. That's the whole purpose. Do you understand that? That, that, even, that even this, that guess what? That, that God brought this good old country boy up that loves some fried chicken and sweet tea, right? Brings us to Maine and, oh, Jesus, help me, right? <laughs> and, you, you know, I recently, you know, Jen and I were sitting down with some friends. And I said, hey, man, let me ask you a question. Why do you think God brought us here? Why do you think he brought us to Maine? Well, did it, you know, help the people and help the region. Did it? No. It's the number one reason. It's so that we can know him more and become more like him. That's it. All this other stuff is secondary. The number one work that's happening is for us to become more like Jesus. Amen? Number three, and this is the most significant one out of the three. Last one, we're almost done. Hang in there, you're doing great. Is that when we live the Emmanuel lifestyle, we are constantly aware that God is in us. Can somebody say, God is in me? Let me give you two verses. Colossians 1.27. It says, God has chosen to make known to them the glorious riches of that mystery. In other words, he's chose to make known to us the mysteries of heaven. He says, he's made known among the Gentiles. That's us in this room if you're not a Jew. He says, and here's what it is. Here's the mystery. Christ is in you. Holy smokes. Right? He is the hope of your glory. He is your hope, let me rewrite, of glory. He is your hope of glory. Do you understand? I mean, try to wrap your brain around it for a second. That the God of the universe, the God that created the universe by the span of his hand, from his pinky to his thumb, chose to live inside of you. I don't get it. It is a great mystery. But I know it's real. I know it's true. Because I know the day that I bowed my knee and said, Jesus, please come be the Lord Lord and Savior of my life. Change. Can't explain it. It was only God. Amen? Uh, People from back home are pretty amazed that I'm doing this. Because this was, Jesus was nowhere in the picture. Nowhere. Nowhere. Okay? So John 14, 20, watch this. This is Jesus talking. He said, when I am raised to life again, in other words, when I'm resurrected, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me. And I am in you. Let me kind of add something here. <clears throat> I remember being a senior in high school. And I started hanging around these Christians. And, uh, and they started talking about I went to church with them. And they started talking about basically that Jesus could live in you. And I literally remember for weeks I would walk around trying to wrap my head around this. And, but I imagined almost like, <laughs> this may sound so silly, but, but almost like a few inches from me like I could see the figure of Jesus. Right? And I kind of like Walt. <laughs> I know this sounds silly, but, but it's like I remember walking through the halls of my high school with Jesus. Right? And I remember thinking, man, where I go, he goes. And I remember thinking, what I see, he sees. Uh-oh. What I hear, he hears. Oh, no. <laughs> and what I say, he says. Says. I did say I'm from Alabama. All right. <laughs> Am I making sense? Doesn't that make you evaluate your life just a touch different? So here I was as a guy that wasn't even saved. I was walking around with that, like, wow. 
And it really made me begin to question things I was doing if I was going to get right with God. Yeah? So watch this. When we know that God is in us, we know that, and please get this, that when, when we ask Jesus to be the Lord, Savior of our life, guess what? That he fully, somebody say fully, that he fully came to live inside of you. Do you understand that when you got born again, 30% of God didn't come live inside of you? God, give me more. What else do you want me to give you? I already gave you everything. Am I making sense to you guys? But, but we live in this, in this beggar's mentality that we got to claw and plead and work and get all this stuff. And he's already made, he, he's here. Listen, in Acts 2, when the Holy Ghost came, 40% of the Holy Ghost didn't come. We're not waiting. Listen, so much of the church, we live as if we're waiting for more to come down. It's already, all of it's already came down. The fullness came down, right? Once again, all we have to do is step in it. Once again, all we have to do is believe. There's not a person in this room that's not challenged in your belief. We all are, right? To believe that, man, he's fully in me. Listen, when we understand God's fully in me, it erases the notion, the doubt that God's hard to find, that he's distant, uncaring, uninvolved, and that we can't hear his voice, and that we can't be aware of his presence. Am I boring y'all today? Am I making sense to you? It's, it's like, man, listen, that, that all that stuff just kind of disappears. And there becomes, guess what? And I finally begin to walk in peace and rest. Right? I finally understand that if, if he's in me, then guess what? Then I'm in victory. I'm not striving for it. I'm walking out of it. Right? That's where I live from. I live from victory. I don't live from defeat. Listen, if he's in me and the riches of heaven are in me, then that, guess what? The, the, let me say it this way. Um, going all the way back to, to what he's trying to do to you. Do you understand that whatever you're going through, let's say it's, it's uh, man, we're struggling. Guess what? Your struggles can't, can't stand up against, uh, let me say it this way, poverty cannot stand up against the provider. Am <laughs> I making sense? Th- that there's, the fear cannot stand in the face of the one who is love. There's nothing that can stand in the face of the glory of God. But once again, it comes back to, as believers, we have a choice. Will we choose that, or will we choose God? Will we choose difficulties, or will we choose God? It's a mindset, right? It's like, Jesus, help us think brilliantly like you, please, right? Will I choose the old man, or will I choose my identity in Christ? Will I choose an orphan spirit, or will I choose sonship? Amen? Listen, there's this understanding here that when I know that God is in us, so guess what? Once again, he goes with me everywhere I go, that I have his mind, I have the ability to think his thoughts, that I now have the chance to be his hands, his feet, I have a chance to be the mouthpiece of heaven, I now have a chance to be the conduit of the power of God, right? That we now have a chance to have divine, uh, to walk in his divine nature. So if I can help you out here, everybody look in here, please. Hang in there, you're doing awesome. So this excuse that I can't love people, garbage. Because divine nature, divine love lives inside of me. I have to crucify the flesh and let the spirit rule me. Amen? Amen. Lastly here, when you realize what Jesus said there in John 14, that if, if he is in me and I am in him, then guess what? Then I'm seated in heavenly places. And if I start praying, guess what? Not from, uh, from earth to heaven prayers, but I start praying for as one that's already in heaven, it changes the way I pray. <laughs> 
right? We're not down here pleading, God, God, you're so distant. Please come and save our butts. Man, I'm so tired of being around Christians that live defeated. It's tiring. Yes, said to understand that, man, we're seated in heavenly places. All I'm doing is this. I said I'm at the right hand of the Father, right? Hey, Dad, let's talk. It's that simple. And that's not irreverent. That's truth. Amen? Lastly, right here. Here we go. I think I said lastly about five times. Sometimes you have preachers, you have those fill-in words. That's my fill-in word today. All right, here we go. So the last thing, when you understand that God is in you, then that means you get to be a part of the Father's mission. Man, there's nothing greater than the Father's mission. And it's simply this, because it's intricately woven into an Emmanuel lifestyle. And we're going to throw this up, that the Father's mission is for us to receive love and to give it away to every person we meet. Now, let's read it fully. The Father's mission is for us to receive, to experience God's express love. And guess what? We get to give it away. Key work, freely. They don't have to earn it. Freely to every single person we meet. Can you imagine if we began to live like that? If we, lived, if we thought that the Father's mission in my house is to love my wife the way the Father loves her? I know that's difficult. Right? Because it goes against our flesh. If we, what happens if we saw our husband, instead of being aggravated and frustrated because he doesn't put the toilet seat down, what if we said, you know what, I have an opportunity to express the Father's love to him. What if we see someone down on the, whatever, in Rockland, at Walmart, whatever, Thompson, Thompson, whatever, Walmart, and, and we actually have a chance to go there, and even though they're looking at us crazy, right, then we have a chance to go, man, I get to express the love of God to this person. What an opportunity. Because it's the Father's mission, listen, that this region has an encounter with the love of God. Just a thought here. The encounter with religion is not working. It's not working. Let's try something different. Let's try to love somebody. Yeah? It doesn't mean we don't stand for holiness. We stand for holiness. But, but guess what? Uh, man, what if, we, what if we started approaching people with grace and love and mercy instead of being mad at them, trying to beat the crap out of them with the Bible? Might get a little better. Might go a little, little, little better, right? So, all right, so closing with this. Here we go. I believe that when we live the Emmanuel lifestyle... Once again, being fully confident of this, and here's it, here it is, is that the manual lifestyle is confidence that God is with us, that he's for us, and that he's in us, it changes everything. Is that not true? It will literally change everything if we become consciously aware, once again, he is with us, he is for us, and he is in us. So with that said, listen, if you were here last week, it is impossible for God to do all of this to the fullness of, his, of the measure that he wants just like Cameron said, it's impossible for all this to happen if we're just seeking the promises and not the promiser, right? If, as long as we are coming to the kingdom and coming to Jesus, coming to prayer, because we're asking for something instead of just coming to prayer and just going, man, I want to be with you. I want to love you. I want to worship you. And then guess what? None of this is going to come to fruition in our life. It all begins with, once again, the Emmanuel lifestyle is this, is that it starts and ends with relationship. It's just knowing him. And, and, you know, I, I just think it's, it's this. I'm going to say it again. Man, that God has given us permission to have a different paradigm in how we view him and how we have our relationship with him. Yeah? Because, because this, and, and once again, I don't mean this in a bad way, but, but there's times in life, guess what, that we get to this point, and what we've done for all these years, it's kind of like, man, we're stuck. Well, why not do, try something different? You know, can, can we honestly look at our life and go, man, I'm blown away by everything I have right now? Right? 
to go, man, there's more. Let's step into it. Amen? I'm not saying that everybody hates their walk with God. It's not what I'm saying. But, but, but what if there was more available? Wouldn't you want it? Amen. Let's stand to our feet, please. So as you're stretching out your bones there, um, let me say this. In a few minutes, we're going to have some people down here that, that want to pray with you. And if you're in this room today and you know, man, that, that you don't know God, that you don't have a relationship with God, that, that once again, everything we talked about, uh, once again, it, that's, that's the starting place. It's the starting spot of going, Jesus, I just need you. Amen. So if you've never made that decision, uh, you know, come up and say, hey, will you walk me through that process? Will you show me what the, that looks like? Will you show me what that means? And, and let them, uh, you know, basically help you build a bridge from uh, your heart to uh, Jesus' heart so he can come in you. Amen? Amen? So let's pray. Are you guys okay? Let's pray. If you, uh, simple question, if you, if you say, man, uh, God, I want, I want to live the Emmanuel lifestyle to the fullest, just lift both of your hands, please, really high. Just as an act of faith, you can come, it's fine. Yep, me too, I'm in this. So, Father, we just ask you today in the name of Jesus that uh, you would help us to live and be constantly aware, God, that you are with us, that you are for us, and that you are in us. And, Lord, we just ask, God, as you begin to shift our paradigm, God, if there's anything in our hearts and our minds that contradict, God, your truth and the revelation of what we talked about today. Lord, we just ask that you would just simply, by your grace, God, help us to make adjustments in these areas. And uh, God, help us to to uh, get our heading, to get our direction, almost turn the wheel and point, get pointed in the right direction. Lord, I'm just asking, God, for all of us that throughout our day, God, that we would be uh, constantly aware of you. Always, so we'd be constantly aware of you, and uh, once again, not from a, a part that you know we got to be scared of you, but from part that man, we get to walk with you and we get to love you. In fact, Lord, I just pray for just every person in this room, God, that we would love you so much, God, that we would find it a joy to obey you. That it would be a joy to obey you. So, Lord, today I just bless your people, God. I bless them to walk, God, in the manual lifestyle. God, I bless them to walk out of the old man and to walk into the new man. God, I bless them today, God, to grab hold of everything that's been available to them from heaven. God, I bless them, God, to think different. God, I bless them to speak different. I bless them to act different. I bless them, God, to grab a hold of you, of all who you are. So, Holy Spirit, come, 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 come. Wreck us. And, uh, and just let our lives, God, be just so marked by you, God. And I bless all of us today, God, to have the opportunity, God, just to express your love to every single person we meet, especially those in our own household. God, if it's not firmly rooted in our own household, we can't take it anywhere else. We can't take it anywhere else. Got to start there. And I think maybe even first, God, in this room, Lord, I pray that you would just bless us, God, to love ourselves. That's really where it begins, to love us the way you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.